In a recent article published on CNN about the Canadian truckers of the Freedom Convoy, the author stated that, quote, the reason Canadians generally obey their government is not because we are better people, as one Canadian mocks his country's penchant for sanctimony. We do it because we are prudent, cautious and moderate, given to compromise and accommodation, sometimes to a fault. Canada is a progressive place of little social unrest for issues that remain contentious in the U.S., abortion, same-sex rights, voting rights, immigration, are settled. The national consensus consensus prefers a loss of liberty over a loss of life. End quote. Similar arguments from the left regarding the the argument that we should give up our basic rights and freedoms in order to save lives have been made from many left-leaning social media pundits, the mainstream media, our government and officials, including the president and bureaucrats like little Lord Fauci. But is it true that in order to save lives, we must give up our basic liberties? We're going to address this question today on the podcast. This is Whitney Short. Welcome to the Whitney Short Show. Okay, we are going to jump right in. I want to look at what I think are six weaknesses of this argument that we must be willing to give up our personal liberties in order to save lives. And the idea that anyone who is not willing to do this is selfish and does not care about people. Okay, the first weakness that I think we see in this argument is that it creates a false dichotomy. And a false dichotomy is a what's considered a formal fallacy. It puts you in an either or position and it creates this idea that there's only two choices that exist. So either you give up your liberties or people are going to die. That's, that's the only choice that exists. This may or may not be the case. And we're going to look at that some more as we go through some more of these weaknesses. So that's the first one is that it creates a false dichotomy. Number two, it is based on the false assumption that we can mitigate all risk. If we just give up our liberties, if we say that we will stay home, if we say that we will mask, if we say that we will get vaccinated, if we say that we will stay shut up in our house, that we will not go to work, that we will conduct our business, all these things that we will be, if we just give up all of our liberties, then all our risk will be mitigated. This is just not true. Life is dangerous. Life is risky. There is no way that we can ever mitigate all risk, even if we give up all our liberties. Just think about it. Every single day, most of us get into a car and we drive to work or somewhere. Does it ever occur to you that you are driving an incredibly powerful machine at very high rates of speed, depending on what state you live in? You're driving probably 55 to 80 miles an hour on the highway, and you can easily crush yourself or crush someone else in an accident in this vehicle that we get in and that we drive every day. We assume a lot of risk when we get into our cars. Also, you can go to the grocery store and make what you think is a completely and perfectly good healthy choice and buy some lettuce and get E. coli, and bam, 
you're dead. Okay. And here you thought that you were doing something great for your health. So it's impossible to mitigate all risk, but this idea that, Hey, you, if you just surrender all your personal liberties, your basic rights, then the government can protect you from all risk. It's just not true. Okay, so number one, it creates a false dichotomy. Number two, it's based on the false assumption that we can mitigate all risk. Number three, it relies on the lie or the assumption that there is only one solution or a very limited number of solutions when there, in fact, may be many solutions to a problem. Okay, the solutions that we have been offered for the past two years have been vaccines, masks, and lockdowns. Um, I was listening to a left-leaning podcast the other day, and he was talking about the solution to COVID. And this this is what he says, quote, what's the solution to COVID? Getting everyone vaccinated. That's it. That's the solution. COVID won't disappear until enough people are vaccinated. End of quote. Now, I mean, this is just a bold-faced lie because even Rochelle Walensky from the CDC has admitted, been forced to admit, that vaccines have not prevented um, people from getting COVID and it does not prevent the transmission of COVID. Yes, they may help mitigate symptoms and hospitalization, but as far as getting rid of COVID, they're not doing that. There's also a Harvard-led study of 68 countries and over 2,000 U.S. counties, which found no correlation between COVID cases and vaccination rates. Here's what that article said, quote, there appears to be no discernible relationship between percentage of population fully vaccinated and new COVID-19 cases. Countries with higher percentage of population fully vaccinated have higher COVID-19 cases per 1 million people. End of quote. I've said this on the podcast here before, and you call me a conspiracy theorist if you want to. But it is not uncommon to see higher COVID cases in areas of higher vaccination. And cases have not gone down. They've actually increased. And could it possibly be because maybe people are contracting it um, and either not having bad enough symptoms to where they realize they have it, or maybe they're not showing symptoms and they're spreading it. So it seems like it could at least be a possibility. Okay, if you hear any noise in the background, Kendall's making himself a sandwich. I mean, at least I don't have to do it right. (laughs) But it is 9.45 at night here, and we got to get her done. So you guys know we just roll with it here. All right, so this proposition that we have to give up our liberties in order to save people's lives, okay, we it relies on this assumption that there's only one solution or very limited number of solutions. It doesn't look at other possibilities. Let's take a look at obesity. Okay. That is one of the highest comorbidities in relation to COVID. 78% of U.S. patients hospitalized with COVID were overweight or had obesity. And the number for intensive care and invasive, invasive mechanical ventilation and death were nearly the same. Yet we have not been educating people on how to properly eat and how to lose weight. Every bit of attention has been focused on getting people vaccinated instead of getting people healthy. We have ignored exercise. This is something else. 
that can help mitigate risk. Oh, in addition, people who are obese are more likely to contract COVID in addition to experiencing severe symptoms in hospitalization. So then if we look at exercise, when it comes to physical fitness, one study published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine illustrated the link between exercise and severe COVID outcomes. They said, quote, compared with the most active people in the study, those who exercised 150 minutes or more every week, patients with COVID-19 who were consistently inactive were 226% more likely to be hospitalized, 173% more likely to be admitted to an intensive care unit, and 149% more likely to die. And yet again, there has not been this huge push for people to get out and move. Instead, we closed gyms and told people to stay in their houses. Literally, the government should have been telling people all along, look, go outside and walk for 25 minutes, six days a week, or walk for 30 minutes, five days a week, and you will significantly, significantly decrease your risk of hospitalization and death. But no, that was never talked about. Another thing that was never talked about was the importance of getting vitamin D. Again, we told people to stay inside when vitamin D has also proven helpful in the treatment of COVID. So, and then we have um, the case where information has been censored for other treatments such as ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, monoclonal antibodies. All of this has been censored and suppressed um, because there's really not a lot of money there like there is with the vaccines. These vaccines companies have made trillions of dollars. Um, and I think it would be naive to say that profit does not play a role in the pushing of these vaccines at all. Okay. So going over them again, number one, it creates a false dichotomy. Number two, it's based on the false assumption that we can mitigate all risk. Number three, it's based on the false assumption that there is only one solution or a very limited number of solution to problems that may arise. Um, and number four, round number four, and I'm going to go through these each time because I hope that um, if you are faced with this question, it's going to help ingrain them into your mind so that you'll be able to have a conversation with someone who believes that we should give up our liberties in order to save lives. Okay, so here we are on number four. It denies or ignores that there could be other consequences that could to lead to a loss of life, as well as other serious, serious consequences that shouldn't just be brushed off as inconsequential. It assumes that just because you give up your liberties, lives will be saved, and this may or may not be the case. How sure are we that this solution of lockdowns, vaccination, masks are the only viable options and there are no negative consequences. Okay, let's go back to World War II for a minute. We're all familiar with the blackouts that Britain instituted in order to protect themselves from German air raids. Seems perfect, perfectly reasonable, right? Like if you don't want to get bombed by the Germans, cover up your windows and turn off your car lights and don't light a cigarette. Seems reasonable. Well, here's what the Daily Telegraph reported in 1939. They said that road deaths in Great Britain have more than doubled since the introduction of the blackout. And the King's surgeon, Wilfred Trotter, wrote in an article for the British Medical, British Medical Journal, 
that by frightening the nation into blackout regulations, the Luftwaffe was able to kill 600 British citizens a month without ever taking to the air at a cost to itself of exactly nothing. That's crazy. The road deaths more than doubled, and the Germans didn't even have to lift a finger in order to kill British citizens. Again, this policy, I mean, obviously was implemented um, because they wanted to protect people, but other consequences and results were not considered. Another uh, thing that was reported on was that during air raids, all lights were extended, extinguished on the trains. There were no lights on railway stations, and although platform edges were painted white, a large number of accidents took place. It was very difficult to see when a train had arrived at a station, and even when this was established, to discover the name of the station. It became fairly common for passengers to get off at the wrong station, and sometimes for them to leave the carriage where there was no station at all. According to an official source, these measures were causing anxieties of women and young girls in the darkened streets at nights or in blacked out trains. So again, it was an unintended consequence that was never considered when this policy was instituted. So that's just a little interesting tidbit from history from another time where it seemed like extreme measures were the way to go. We're not here to argue whether the blackouts were a good idea or not, or whether a different policy would have been better. Um, just sharing that this is not the first time that things like this have happened, where there's been an extreme situation where there was a poly- policy instituted that restricted people's liberties, so to speak, and it had negative fallout from it. So one of the policies that we've had to live through for the past two years is this idea of lockdowns. And some places have experienced this more than others. It depends on which state you're in and which city you live in. The level of, to what level, like you've had to live through this. Um, But it has, in fact, it has affected so many people um, on an individual level and society as a whole. So let's just take a look at it. Um, John Hopkins came out with a study recently. It was barely covered by the mainstream media. It wasn't covered at all at first until, um, except by Fox News, until they started getting called out for not covering it. And then they had to like talk about it a little bit. Um, But those researchers concluded that limiting, that the lockdowns only reduce death by only 0.2%. That's not very significant. The researchers concluded that limiting gatherings may have actually increased COVID-19 morality. They said that shelter-in-place orders may isolate an infected person at home with his or her family, where he or she risks infecting family members with a higher viral load, causing more severe illness. And the researchers wrote, but often lockdowns have limited people access to safe outdoor places such as beaches, parks, and zoos, or included outdoor mask mandates or strict outdoor gathering restrictions, pushing people to meet at less safe indoor places. So we were actually making people more sick by telling them they had to stay home and had to stay inside and closing our parks and beaches and all the places that would have been so much better for them to be. So we made people more sick. Another fallout from this was that from May 2020 to April 2021, the U.S. recorded over 100,000 drug overdose deaths. This is a 28.5 increase 
from the previous 12-month period, and this is from the CDC. And a study from the National Commission on COVID-19 and Criminal Justice found that domestic violence incidents increased 8.1% after lockdown orders were issued. About 97% of U.S. teachers said that their students have experienced learning loss during the coronavirus pandemic. This is not, this is something that's going to be affecting our children and our society for years to come. Um, Not to mention that suicide rates have increased, that medical treatments were postponed for for very serious conditions, heart conditions and for cancer. So people weren't getting the treatments they needed, which caused a loss of life. Depression and anxiety went up. Um, Studies are showing developmental delays due to lockdown and mask mandates on children. There have been adverse reactions to vaccines that are being dismissed or ignored until it becomes impossible to deny them. An example of this is the heart issues that people are experiencing. And now, um, just in a recent article I saw, they were saying, I can't remember if it's the CDC or Pfizer themselves, was saying that maybe we need to increase the amount of time between vaccines in order to hopefully reduce the risk of people developing heart conditions. But we ignored this at first and denied it and just played it off as if this wasn't really happening. Um, Also, the um, free speech has been stifled, which has stifled information. So we're not hearing that, hey, let's you need to e-write, you need to exercise. Here's some treatments that can help you early on to hopefully that you don't have to be hospitalized. Um, Here's some things that can help mitigate symptoms. All that was suppressed because the lockdowns, the mask, and the vaccines were the things that were being pushed and everything else was counted as irrelevant or incorrect. The researchers also stated in their study that these costs to society must be compared to the benefits of lockdowns, which our meta-analysis has shown are marginal at best. Such a standard benefit cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion. Lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy. So this is just an an illustration of a policy where we restricted people's liberty to go out and conduct their business like they should be, their ability to go to school, to go to work. It's had huge social impact and personal impact on our society and on individuals. But we are ignoring that cost and harm to others at the expense of the quote, greater good, which in reality may not be for the greater good. You know, we're saying that Vaccine injury and deaths don't matter. Suicide rates and crime victims don't matter. Domestic abuse victims don't matter. Um, Like I said, suicide, crime, domestic abuse, all those things have gone up in the last two years. That the fact that some children rely on school lunches in order to eat, that doesn't matter. The fact that children are falling behind in their education and social development doesn't matter. The fact that many people have had to die completely alone and families have not been able to see or say goodbye to each other. None of that matters. This was all for a policy that reduced death by 0.2%. 
Dying from COVID has been positioned as the worst thing that can happen to a person when that is just not true. There are other things that are just as tragic and even more tragic than dying from COVID. It's not to say that we do not want to reduce deaths or that these deaths don't matter. They obviously do, but we have to be able to look at these policies and say, are they working? And if not, we have to be willing to let them go. And we have to ask ourselves, is really like this argument of restricting people's liberties or taking it away, is it really saving lives? Historically, we can see that when personal rights and liberties are respected and protected, society does better as a whole, and actually more lives are usually saved. If you look at socialist and communist countries, they have taken the lives of millions, and they've done it all in the name of safety and the greater good. And, you know, we might want to make the argument, but this is a disease. It's highly contagious. And a lot of people are losing their lives. We have to implement these measures. We have to make these mandates. We have to force and coerce people to get vaccinated or do whatever. Are you so sure that those are the only solutions, that your solutions are the only solutions, that they are the only answer to the problem? How are you so sure that the fallouts, the other consequences from these decisions, from these mandates are not going to be worse. How are you so sure that your way is the only way? Again, our free speech and the spread of information has been very much stifled in the last two years. And that has come at a cost And that has come at the cost of people's lives. This very early on um, in the pandemic, there were doctors and other people, other experts in field saying that, hey, this is not a good idea. This is going to hurt people more than it helps. And that information was purposely stifled by Fauci and the rest of the government. They purposely had a campaign. These are, was leaked through his emails to stifle this information that lockdowns may really be more harmful than helpful and that we shouldn't do them. But we were not allowed to know about that because that information had to be censored. Okay. So we've got this argument that we must be willing to give up our freedom, at least for a time in order to save lives. Okay. And we've established that it creates a false dichotomy. So it's this either or situation or false choice that really doesn't exist when, because there's could be, there's lots of other options out there. It's based on the false assumption that if we can mitigate all risk, that COVID is just going to go away and we're all going to be okay. You can't mitigate all risk. COVID's not going away. It relies on the assumption or the lie that the only solution, there's only one solution or a very limited number solution. When in fact, there are many solutions and we just need to be able to explore them and discuss them and find what is actually best instead of what we just believe may be best. And it dies or ignores that there could be other consequences that are worse or that have a significant impact on people's lives and society. Okay. The number five, you are never just asked to give up one liberty you are asked to give up multiple, like never when there is an extreme circumstance, are you just asked to relinquish one right, one freedom? It's always multiple. 
All right, so we've been told that we have to relinquish our right to bodily autonomy when it comes to making our own medical decisions or whether or not uh, we choose to wear a mask uh, or be locked down. We have our right to speak freely has been restricted, whether you've been cut off from social media, whether you've been shadow banned, whether you're afraid that if you speak up that you'll be fired from work, or that if you speak up that your friends will unfriend you, we've lost friends, um, or that you'll be cut off from your family, or be cut off from like, well, we already talked about like social communication platforms. So we've, we're, we've lost this ability to feel like we can speak freely. Uh, and we've information has been censored. We've been asked to get give up the right to go, go and come as we please to conduct our business, whether you own a business or whether that means you going to work, just transact just basic business transactions in life. We've had to give those up. Um, people have been had to give up their um, right to medical care during this time um, to treatments. They have been refused medical treatment. Um, there is a story going around of a guy who needed a heart transplant and he's not, they won't give it to him because he's not vaccinated. People have lost their banking privileges at certain banks because of this. So they've, that money is their property. They, that they've lost access to their property which is a fundamental right in this country. Their right to associate with who they want to associate with. Kids have been ostracized and secluded at school. People have been ostracized and secluded at work. So you're never just asked to give up one little piece of liberty, like of your freedom. It's always multiple. And once you give that up, it's very hard to get back. The government... It, it, doesn't matter why that's the United States government or government anywhere else in the world. They don't usually give back the rights or the power that they take. And they, they take it under, you know, the sense of emergency that you need to be protected and they're going to keep you safe. And as soon as everything is over, they're going to give it all back to you. That just doesn't happen. Okay. So are you sick of going over these yet? We're going to do it one more time. All right. So first Weakness in this argument is that it creates a false dichotomy. It's based on the false assumption that we can mitigate all risk. It is relies on the lie that there's only one solution or a very, very number of solutions when in fact there may be many solutions. Number four, oh my goodness, here I am like even forgetting it. Okay, so it denies or ignores the fact that there could be other consequences that to, could lead to a loss of as well, loss of life as well, or other serious consequences. And you are number five. You are never asked to just give up one liberty. You're required to give up multiple, and it's rare that you get those back. Okay, number six. If the statement is true that in order to save lives, we must give up our basic rights or our personal liberties, if that is true, then why have we in America fought wars here and abroad for our own freedom and for the freedom and liberty of others? Like it's just a slap in the face of everyone anyone who has given their lives for this country, whether that is to allow us to be free or to maintain that freedom. We've literally sent our friends and families overseas to fight to protect our own freedom and also fight for it for others. It's a huge slap in the face. Why, if we truly believe this, that the only way to save lives 
to give up our liberty, then why have we fought so hard for it? How, why so much bloodshed? It's a huge contradiction. It's just not true. If it was true that we should give up our liberties in order to save lives, there never would have been an American revolution. We never would have fought, had the wars that we fought within this country and the wars that we have fought in other countries. Like it just wouldn't have happened. So as you can probably see this question of, do you consider your personal liberties more important than saving lives? It's kind of a trap. If you say that your liberty or liberty is more important than people's lives, then you sound like a horrible person. And that's exactly how this argument is designed to make you feel so that you will be willing to give up your basic rights, uh, your basic rights in order to save life. Just like no one wants to be called a racist, no one wants to be accused of not caring about the lives of others because they care more about their own personal freedom. At the end of the day, I don't think that this is a question that you can answer with a simple yes or no. I mean, if someone asks you, do you consider your individual liberty more important than saving people's lives? That requires more than a yes, no answer. It's positioned as a simple question when it's actually quite complex. And just a little side note here. I do believe that there are people who are coming from a really good place. They want this all to end. They want people's lives saved. And they are willing to make whatever sacrifice they have to in order for that to happen. But we've just gone through six weaknesses in the logic of this proposition. And we need to have an open and honest discussion and conversation with people about that because we all want to see people, we all want this to end. We want as few lives to be lost as possible and people not have to die from this. So that's what, at the end of the day, that's what most of us want. Um, And so there are people coming from a good place and we need to acknowledge that, but we also need to be able to acknowledge that even though, uh, you may not be motivated by power or money. There are people who are. And I think a lot of the people who are calling the shots and making these decisions that have really impacted our society and people's lives in other than more ways than just dying from COVID, a lot of them are motivated by power and money. And bad people do exist. Okay. You just have to look at history to see that. And just because you know, we've advanced as a a society and as humans overall, like at their core, people, people don't change. Human nature stays the same. So yeah, maybe we've advanced, but there are people who are motivated by power. They're motivated by money. And there are bad people out there who will do whatever it takes to have those things. And there are people out there who believe that, they are elite and that they know better than you and you need just to fall in step and fall in line. And if you do that, everything will be okay and everything will be safe and you'll be taken care of because they know better than you. Okay. So we need to acknowledge both of those things that there are people with good intentions who willing to give up everything in order to save people's lives. And there are also really bad people who are doing this for the sake of power and money. All right. And just also acknowledge that this is kind of a complex question. So if someone asks you if you believe that your individual liberty is more important than saving lives, 
one way that you can answer is by saying something like, this is not just about my personal liberties. Um, protecting ba- people's basic human rights generally saves lives and forces us to seek out and explore other solutions that help may help us avoid loss of lives as well as other negative consequences like we've experienced in the last two years due to pad policies and the suppression of people rights like speaking freely and making their own medical decisions. This is not a simple yes, no question. This is a place for conversation and thinking through these things together. So I hope that helps you guys out as Candace Owen says, I hope it's given you something to think about and we'll be back next week. Have a good weekend guys.